There's this saying that you hear around the Great Lakes in winter, no ice is safe ice. A reminder for those who need it to be careful and take nothing for granted when walking on hard water. Here on County 911. Yeah, uh, we have someone in the water out of uh, Thomas Road, three and a half miles out. Three and a half miles out? Yep, Saginaw Bay, three and a half miles out. We got open water. It's about 7.30 at night on February 6th, 2023, and a bunch of ice fishermen are stranded on a large ice floe in Lake Huron's Saginaw Bay. There was a lot of confusion that was going on because 911 calls were going into Tuscola County and 911 calls were coming into Huron County. That's Huron County Sheriff Kelly Hansen. He says because of where the calls are coming from, they aren't sure how many people are in danger. At one point, we were under the impression there could be 30 people out there. We, we knew we had people in the water. Didn't know if we had one, didn't know if we had 10. Are you in radio communication with him? We can hear people yelling. We got water all around us. There's a bunch of people out here. And no one is, and you can't? He's in the water. Okay. In the hours that follow, the U.S. Coast Guard and local emergency responders mount a massive rescue attempt that includes airboats and helicopters. Anybody out here? This is Points North, a podcast about the land, water, and inhabitants of the Great Lakes. I'm Dan Wanshura. Today, we're floating on ice in Lake Huron. Don't get too comfortable, because no ice is safe ice. This is going to be on some kind of website or something? It will, yeah. I'll send you the link when it's... That's Steve Giestel Jr. He's been fishing for most of his life. His fish of choice, walleye. To me, it's the best taste of fish in the world. You know, that's what I go after. I don't, I don't even fish for bluegill no more. Or I, just, I just target walleye. That's all I do. A good place to catch walleye is Saginaw Bay. In fact, Steve claims it's the best around. It ain't uncommon at all to get your limits every day, eight, eight, eight fish per man, you know. Several times you come out there with three or four of us and come home with 30 fish, you know, on one day of fishing. <laughs> that's why he and a couple of friends plan a two-day ice fishing trip there in February. But when it comes time to pile into a truck and drive about three hours across state, Steve gets cold feet. I talked to a buddy of mine. He told me, do not by no means go on that bay. It's not safe. He said he had a couple buddies out there the day before, and it was moving all over the place and not to go. Steve is the most cautioned person that I've ever, ever fished with in my life. That's Jeremy Holman. He and Steve go back over 20 years. The two of them met in the mid-90s driving race cars. In fact, Steve was the guy who first brought Jeremy fishing on Saginaw Bay way back when. I was gun-holed. I wanted to go. I loved the Saginaw Bay. We had a little bit of heated discussion about it, I'll tell you that, because I didn't want to go. I, really, I knew better, you know what I mean? I didn't want to go out there. You want to be honest? I was an asshole. I already had paid for the hotel room over there. Uh, all my buddies are sending me pictures that live over there of all these pile of walleyes they were catching. It was stuck in my dome. I'm going. Caught up somewhere in the middle of all this is Tulane Bauer, the third friend on this guy's fishing trip. We gassed up the truck, we loaded up our equipment, and we drove down. Jeremy's in the back seat, sleeping. <laughs> he passed out.
I got there, there was hundreds if not a thousand people going out on the boat launch, you know, so I thought maybe I was being a little too paranoid, you know. They all looked at me and I, I thought I was the man. I was like, I told you. Well, we get going and we set up day one. Fishing was beautiful. You know, it was beautiful day, not a lot of wind, good temperatures. Nighttime came and we got into the fish. You know, we we're hooking fish. We just shy of our limit and we called it a night. Everybody was packing up. So we packed up, we rode out, went to the room, thanking Jeremy, you know. Thank you, man, we're so glad we came, you know, it was such a blast seeing everybody. For me, meeting the guys, you know, it was it was an experience, you know, and can't wait for tomorrow. <laughs> Little did we know what tomorrow had, man. Points North is brought to you in part by Cherry Republic, celebrating northern Michigan's tart cherries with products like jams, barbecue sauces, chocolate-covered cherries, and more. Online at cherryrepublic.com. And Aspire North Realtors, bringing real estate professionals together, supporting their involvement in the community, and advocating for the industry in a sustainable way. Online at aspirenorthrealtors.com. The next day, the three friends wake up and ride their snowmobiles out about four miles across the ice to their shanties on Saginaw Bay. And the ice is pretty good, about eight to ten inches thick. By mid-afternoon, the guys are getting hungry. That's when Tulane Bauer and Steve Giestel Jr. hop on the snowmobiles again. He followed me back to shore to get his lunch, and we crossed this big patch of black ice. You got all the white ice, and then you got the black ice. When you got clear black ice, you could see the bottom... That's that's scary, so I just have a tendency of just giving it the grip, you know, just squeeze the throttle to the bar real quick, get over it, and then I can ease up. They make it across, and the rest of the afternoon is pretty uneventful. The fish aren't biting much, so they grill some burgers. As the sun starts to set, they hook a few more walleye, and then call it a night. I climbed out of my shade to pack up, and I felt that east wind, and I knew we were in trouble. 15 to 20 mile an hour winds, probably. There's something you need to know about ice fishing on Saginaw Bay. The bay itself is located between Michigan's thumb and pointer finger. There's a small island that sits in the middle of it. If the bay isn't frozen all the way out to that island, there's technically nothing blocking ice from moving around. As long as the wind is from the right direction, though, you're fine. It keeps the ice pinned to the shore. But if the wind shifts, the ice could crack off and blow you miles out into open water. So hurry up, boys, pack up. We gotta get out of here right away. I never paid attention to it. I was just packing stuff up and trying to get out. But Steve said he had noticed the wind had changed. We had a, a guy, a couple guys from Indiana follow us out that day, that morning. And uh, they left us before us and they, they called us on our cell phones, told us they made it back to shore okay. They said there's nothing there, no cracks, no nothing. And it was like a half hour before we took off, you know what I mean? So I didn't think it was that big of a deal. To, you know, I knew we were in trouble if we didn't hurry up. They head back to shore, Steve on one snowmobile, Jeremy and Tulane on another. When we were leaving, it was real dark. You know, you got your headlamp and you got your snowmobile machine. You know, you got your, your light there. Steve's in front. I'm following Steve. 
and he gets to that spot where he thinks it's just black ice, so we was just going to skip over it. Well, it was open water. I'd just seen Steve go down, man, headlight underwater, and it was like a big wave come up and just, boom, Steve was down. And I watched my best friend sink. Like, I've never seen nothing sink that fast in my life. He was gone. Quick. You didn't even see his taillights go down slowly. It went down fast. Boom. Disappeared. I tried to throttle my snowmobile once I hit water, but I knew it was, it was fruitless. And the snowmobile started sinking, so I jumped off my snowmobile into the cold water. And I've always been taught you go through the ice up there, it's a death sentence. You know what I mean? You're just, Chances are you're not going to make it. It's fear is all I can say. It ain't a drilling or nothing. It's just, it's just fear. You know, can you imagine just thinking you're going to die? You know what I mean? That's the feeling you got. You know you're going to die. I knew I was dying, you know, and they couldn't see me because it's so dark out. Jeremy and Tulane are almost in the water themselves. At this point, Jeremy doesn't know if the ice near the edge is safe to hold them. That's when the race car driver in him kicks in. I turn the skis to the right on my snowmobile with Tulane on the back of it with me, and I pinned it to get away from Steve, because all three of us didn't need to be in the water. So he starts driving away from Steve, with Tulane sitting behind him. Tulane can't believe it. And I'm hitting his back, man. Steve's down, Steve's down, and... He's just going 50, 60 yards away the opposite direction. I mean, I just felt like he was leaving Steve. And I told him that. And I I hit his helmet. Wham! And I told him Steve went down and he kind of let off the throttle. And when he did, I bailed. And I was just running towards that direction looking for Steve. Jeremy, still driving the snowmobile in the opposite direction, finally stops. There was uh, no emotions at that time because we didn't know it was going on. I mean, we kind of starstruck us all. We were like, whoa. But I knew that if I didn't get up the safe ice, there was no way we were ever going to get to Steve if we were in there ourselves. Steve's still about 15 yards away from the edge of the ice, you know, in the water. He was screaming and hollering, get me out of here, I'm dying. And Because, you know, you're trying to kick and paddle, you know, and wasn't really doing you no good because the weight, you know. I, I bet you I weighed probably 300 pounds more than my body weight, just my water weight, you know, from my boots being full of water and suit soaked, and my, all my clothes were drenched, of course. Steve has something helping him, though. His dad passed away in August. He was an avid ice fisherman. And before he died, he bought himself a new float suit, a bib overalls and jacket combo with built-in flotation. It's not a life jacket, but it can help keep a person above water for a couple hours. So when he died, my mom asked me if I wanted his new float suit. I said, yeah, I'll take it, Ma. Steve is wearing that float suit when he drives into the freezing water. So I think my dad had a hand and saved my ass that day. 
Steve swims about 30 to 40 feet back to the edge of the ice. Tulane is crawling towards him. I get on my belly, and Steve hits the ice, and he's holding on, you know. And I told him, the ice ain't thin, bro. It just broke apart. It's eight inches thick. I can feel it. I'm right on the edge of the ice. I can feel how thick the ice is. So I grab hold of Steve, and I tell him, I'm not letting you go, brother, you know. And he's got me, and he's like, you got to get me out of here, dude. You know, and I go to pull him. And Steve's, he's a big guy. And now you got that big guy with all his equipment, his gear, you know, his, his float suit and his boots, his helmet, you know, full of water. He's even heavier now. So I go to pull Steve like it's going to be easy. <laughs> it was not. I could barely move him. And I got even more scared. So I put myself on the edge, you know, and I tried to pull real hard. Well, when I did, we cracked just that little edge and I kind of fell and had a small wave go down my float suit. And when that wave hit my skin down my coat, man, it felt like I got a million needles poked into me. It was so cold, it was immediate. <gasps> you know, it took my breath, my power, man. I just felt myself instantly tense up and I was like, oh my God, I'm useless now. I looked over and I see my buddy Jeremy standing there about 50 feet away. And I yelled at him, said, Jeremy, I'm dying over here, man. It ain't thin ice. Come get me. Come help him. And he grabs my feet. And when Jeremy started to pull us, that's when we were able to successfully get Steve out. Tulane says it takes them about five minutes to get Steve out of the water. That was incredible. You know, when we hit the ice with him, that was an even better feeling to have him out. I mean, as soon as Steve hit the ice, I... Jeremy let go of me, and I pulled Steve another couple feet. I got up and walked away. I had to breathe, man. They aren't out of the woods yet, though. With temperatures below freezing, they need to get Steve warm, fast. Steve's like, we got to set up the shanty. And I'm looking, and it's <laughs> it's not there. And I'm like, where is the shanty? And Jeremy's like, it's gone. It was on the sled with Steve's sled, and I'm like, Oh no, you know, we're wide open, exposed, Steve's soaking wet. Thankfully, another ice fisherman notices what's going on. He speeds over on his snowmobile, takes Steve back to his ice shanty, and cranks up the heat inside. Around that time, another group of ice fishermen are returning to shore across the ice, heading straight towards open water. I was like, dang it, I need to stop these people. This time, Jeremy doesn't hesitate. He runs to his snowmobile and starts flashing his lights for them to stop. And he stopped them guys, you know, they stopped right, literally probably three feet before Steve went in. All told, there's 14 of them trapped on this huge chunk of ice floating in Lake Huron. Those who still have charged phones and cell service call 911 for help. When Steve hit open water, the gap between the ice was over 100 yards across. He couldn't see across to the other side. But because of near gale force winds now, the gap keeps growing. It was chaos out there. It was not quiet. You know, we're speaking with other people that are a little bit further away from us and trying to assure them the ice in between them is good and meeting with people to bring them over with the group. And They come up with a plan. 
sit tight, and wait for help to arrive. That's when Jeremy notices a guy getting agitated. Didn't really say nothing, just mumbling. You could tell he was upset. Don't be upset with us. There's nothing we can do about it. We didn't create this. You know what I mean? Then the ice fisherman hops back on his snowmobile and takes off. I was like, okay, maybe he's just going to see if he can find a way around this for us all. You know, sweet. And all of a sudden he gets out there a ways and I just hear a snowmobile turn wide open, watch the headlights come. I already knew what he was doing. He's heading for open water. It's not uncommon for snowmobilers to cross water between cracks of ice. With enough speed, the snowmobile can skim right on top of it. But this is no small crack. It's a big stretch of open water. I'm screaming at his buddies, stop that guy. He ain't making it. And you could hear him and you could watch him for quite a ways. <laughs> this is going to sound really bad, but I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, like anybody, I mean, something dumb's going to happen. You're going to watch. He made it a long ways, I ain't going to lie, probably three quarters of the way. He did. I was like, he's going to make it. He's going to make it. I know I'm going to have a bigger snowmobile than him. If he made it, and it didn't cross my mind, I'm like, I'm going too. But I didn't. And all of a sudden, you heard the snowmobile just start dogging down. Whoa. And I was like, this guy is... He's a goner. He's now, at this point, 300 yards away from us. There's no way we can help you. None. You're... I just watched somebody die is the first thing that went through my head. Amazingly, once the snowmobile sinks, the ice fisherman swims to the other side and pulls himself onto the ice. You could see him over there. He was so far away. He looked like maybe he was a foot tall. He was that far away. And you could see his flashlight turn on on his phone. So at that point, we knew at least he was out of the water. But your journey ain't over yet. You still got two miles somehow to figure out to get to that shore. Hypothermia is a bad deal. You ain't going to make it. They were going to find him curled up in a ball or standing up like a popsicle somewhere. Back in the ice shanty, Steve is still trying to warm up. His body temperature has dropped. It felt like my whole body was on fire. It felt like, like you were burning, you know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever been that cold before, but... You know, and then you know all the ice is cracking all around you, and every time you look up that shanty, and open water's getting closer and closer to you. You know, you know you're not a danger yet, and I'm ex- I'm so exhausted and spent. And I told these guys in the shanty, I said, "Man, if I go in the water again, guys, I'm a goner. I'm telling you, I ain't gonna be able to fight no more. I'm just I can't. I'm exhausted. You know, I, I really was." After about two hours of waiting, the Huron County Sheriff airboat is the first to arrive on scene. Also on board, the other ice fisherman who went in the water. The boat picked him up on the way over. On the slow ride back, one of the emergency rescuers starts talking to Steve. He asked my name, I told him, Steve, do you realize 90% of the time we come out here for rescues is usually to recover a body? He goes, you're a 10%er and don't ever forget that. We were about three and a half miles out from shore where we were fishing both days. 
They said in a report we had drifted out, um, those that were last rescued had reached a distance of about six miles. So altogether, we drifted about two and a half, three miles. Jeremy says it was more like 1.8 miles. No one agrees on exactly how far out they drifted. Soon, U.S. Coast Guard helicopters show up and begin scooping up the rest of the ice fishermen trapped on the ice. I knew right to them, I'm going home. They dropped that basket, and I did a swan dive on that son of a bitch. <laughs> Steve Geistel Jr. is the first to admit it. He's his own man, and he made the decision to go ice fishing. But in the days that follow, he's angry at his friend, Jeremy Holman. He lost his snowmobile, sled, ice shanty, and all his fishing gear at the bottom of Saginaw Bay. And on top of that, he almost died. Jeremy tries calling him for a few days, and at first, Steve doesn't pick up. I think it was me being his best friend. I wasn't the first one to him. He, I panicked. He seen that I panicked. I was scared. I explained that to him. But he, I think he felt like I should have been the first one to him to get him out, which is probably correct, I guess. But the way I see it, we got him out. Don't matter how we got him out, we got him out. And that's all what matters. He's home. He's safe. He kept me up until 5 o'clock this morning. <laughs> Some bitch. Just chatting on the phone? Yeah. We do all the time. If we don't hang out with each other, that's how we hang out with each other. When he gets out of work, he'll call and he'll drink beer over the phone while I drink over <laughs> We're dumb. <laughs> Do you think you'll go fishing with, with Jeremy again? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's never going to change, no. Me and Jeremy have been buddies for years, and we raced together. We fished together. We hunted together. But I ain't going to let him talk me into doing nothing stupid again. <laughs> and he'll know what I'm saying when he hears this. Me saying I'll never go to the bay again, you know, or, or I might, you know. Who knows? I, I can't tell you if I'll ever fish it again or not right now, but. I sure hate not to because I love the place, you know. My favorite thing to do is ice fish that place. That episode was produced by me, Dan Wanshura. It was edited by Morgan Springer. Additional editing from Peter Payette, Patrick Shea, and Ed Ronco. Music by Nuisance, Holizna, Alex Productions, and Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Huron County Sheriff Kelly Hansen and Deputy Ben Willenberg for their help with this story. They took some cool photos and videos from the night of the rescue. Look for some of those on our Instagram page. Find us at Points North Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends about it. They can find us wherever they listen to podcasts. Points North is a production of Interlochen Public Radio.